0: Let's pray. Father, we thank You that Jesus lives. God, we thank You that that shows us that all of this matters. Lord, that our lives, God, that that He's redeemed matter. God, that His words to us when He was here on earth matter. Because he was vindicated by you when he rose again. God, that we should be people who celebrate that. God, now we ask that you would help us to focus on your word. That you would help us to focus on his words to us. God, and that we would be changed by what he said. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So, not many of you probably know or or have heard the name Robert Kearns. But uh, this guy invented something that all of us probably have used and probably will use many, many times in our life. He invented that, that feature or the, or the technology that allows you to put your windshield wipers in your car on an intermittent or delayed setting so that they don't make that horrible screeching sound when it's, it's not raining that hard. Uh, so, you know, a very useful invention, something that we all use and don't really realize how, how great it is to have that. Uh, this guy first invented it. He first patented it back in 1964. So a long time ago. But shortly after that, shortly after he 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 patented his invention, it was stolen by Ford and by Chrysler. They just they just started putting it in their cars, started selling vehicles with that feature without giving him any credit, without giving him any money or anything. They just stole it. He, of course, as an inventor has any of us would, was frustrated by that. It bothered him, and so he sued him. He sued both companies in order to get credit. In his court case, it was finally decided 25 years after he first invented this feature. The Ford company ended up paying him $10.1 million dollars Chrysler, two years later, had to pay him $30 million. So the guy made out with $40 million, obviously a great decision in his favor. I'm sure he was probably happy about that. A good thing. A good ending. Right? You see, but what I didn't tell you, the details I left out was everything that he lost along the way. He lost... uh, he had a nervous breakdown. He spent time in a mental hospital. He lost his wife, his kids, his friends. Just about everything except for this obsession that he had with you know, getting the recognition that he thought he deserved. Jen and I, we, we watched a movie about this guy's life. And both of us, probably less than halfway through, we're just thinking and even saying out loud, just give up already. It's, it's, it's not worth it. Why lose your wife? Why lose your kids for that? Kearns died in 2005, less than 10 years, or actually a little over 10 years, after he, he got all this money. And I just, I just have to think. I I bet that towards the end of his life, as as his health was fading, that he began to question. He began to wonder: Was it really worth it? Was losing his wife and his kids and his friends, devoting a third of his life to this obsession, was it worth it? You see, he didn't do it for anybody else. He didn't do it for his wife. He didn't do it for his kids. He didn't do it for other inventors. He just did it for himself. And he ended up getting it. He he got what he wanted. These companies had to pay because of what they did. But I bet, I bet that in the end, even though he had all that money, that he wasn't satisfied. I bet that he didn't feel like he had actually got justice. I bet he realized even if it was at, at the very end as he was dying, I bet he realized that he gave everything up for something that just really didn't matter at the end. That, that he gave up what was more important for something that was less important. I and mean, he certainly suffered in his life. But it couldn't have been worth it. We're going to see in our text tonight that there's, there's only one, only one type of suffering that's actually worth it. There's only one type of suffering that will actually give us a reward that's worth suffering for. You see, it's only, suffering's only commendable when we do it for what's right. And you see, this is where Kearns missed it. You see, we don't get to decide what's right. We don't get to decide the things that are worth suffering for. Our text tonight is going to tell us that it's only when we suffer for righteousness for what God says is right, that our suffering is actually worth it. It's only when we're persecuted for righteousness' sake that we get the reward that's most valuable. Let's go ahead and read our text, and then we'll uh, jump into it. We're going to read Matthew 5, verses 3-12. through This is our last night in the Beatitudes. If you don't have a Bible, there's some at the end of the rows, and tonight's passage starts on page 809. We're going to read Matthew 5, verses 3 through 12. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So our focus tonight is on verses 10 through 12. This is the the eighth beatitude in verse 10 with its expansion in verses 11 and 12. The main point of our text tonight we're going to see is that Persecution is the true test of a follower of Christ. We're going to see this by asking three questions about the text tonight. We're going to ask, what is persecution? We're going to ask, why are these people persecuted? And then we're going to ask, what is the reward that they get? So let's turn to the first question. What is persecution? Well, essentially, persecution means to harass somebody because of their beliefs. Whatever they believe, you don't like it. And so you'll harass them about it. And I have to tell you, I just have to confess that before I started studying, before I started reading and preparing for this sermon, I had what I would call now a, a snobby view of persecution. I had an arrogant view of persecution. You see, some people, and I was one of them, think that it's not, it's not real persecution, Unless there's a, a physical element to it. Unless somebody's physically hurting you or they're, they're, they throw you in jail or they beat you or they, they do something to you physically, then you're not really being persecuted. And I used to think that in America, that here, you know, we, we might someday, but, you know, it's, it's impossible for us to be persecuted because we don't get persecuted like people do overseas. And so I just had this, this view that. Verbal persecution, just—it's not persecution. It's something that we just need to get over. That's what I used to think. But Jesus uh, taught me differently. In our text tonight, He specifically mentions that people saying things about us, people saying bad things against us, is persecution. Look at look at verse eleven. He says this. He said, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. So he says that reviling, mocking, making fun of, and and saying bad things about He says that that's persecution. But did you you see the key word? That, That one little word in verse 11 that it's so easy for us to miss. It's falsely. You see, if somebody comes up to you and they call you a jerk, and you're a jerk, it's not persecution. If somebody says that you're self-righteous and you are actually self-righteous, it's not persecution. If people say bad things about us that are true, we're not persecuted. We're we're just those, those bad things that they say about us. But obviously... You know, persecution isn't just verbal. Sometimes there are a a physical element to persecution. Look what the Book of Hebrews says. The author says, Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats. Destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. Listen to Paul's own experience. He says this, he says, Five times, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure." Ever since the the very beginnings of Christianity, the church has been persecuted violently and systematically. We know that. We can see it in the pages of the Bible. We, We hear about it in the news. We read about it on websites. We know what persecution is. All of us. All of us probably even know people. We know people who who have served, or or are serving right now, or even going to serve in places where persecution, physical persecution, isn't just a possibility, but it's a probability. We know, we know what persecution is. So let's turn to the second question. Why are these people persecuted? These people that Jesus says are blessed, why are they persecuted? (laughs) Well, I think that Jesus makes this pretty clear in 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 our text tonight. But I think that we miss it. We overlook it. We don't want to hear what he says. He says that we're only blessed. We're only blessed if we are persecuted for righteousness' sake. We need to remember this. We need to remind ourselves of this fact, that it's only when we're persecuted for righteousness' sake that we're blessed. Because I think we could forget it. You know, we've we've probably all heard people say something like the following. They say, people didn't like Jesus. People didn't like what Jesus did. People didn't like what Jesus said. People don't like me. People don't like what I do. People don't like what I say. So... I must be like Jesus. Or they say something like this. They say, if there's other people, there's other churches, if there's other groups of people who aren't happy with you, then you've got to be doing something right. If you're making people mad, if you're frustrating people, then you're probably on the right track. But Jesus is very clear. It's persecution for righteousness' sake that's blessed, not something else. You see, the test isn't It's not whether or not people like us. It's not whether or not people like what we say or what we do. The test is whether what we say and do is righteous. Whether whether we are righteous. That's what matters. People uh, from Westboro Baptist Church. And if you don't know who these people are, they're the people who, who go out... And do things like hold up signs at soldier, soldiers' funerals that say God hates gay people, only they're not that nice about it. Those people are persecuted. People harass them because of their beliefs, people don't like them. And to be honest, I don't really like them either. But they're persecuted. People do revile them, people do say bad things about them. But you know, no no matter how I try to wrap my mind around it, no matter how I try to understand it, I just can't believe that they're doing it for righteousness' sake. You see, we don't we don't want people to dislike us because of the type of church we are. We don't want people to dislike us because of what we think about alcohol or the fact that we, we use it in communion. We don't want people to dislike us because we wear jeans or shorts to church. We don't want people to dislike us because of the type of music we have. Or because we have tattoos or because we, we vote this way or that way. If people dislike us, it should be for one reason and one reason only. And that's for how much we strive to live like Jesus. Jesus. You see, that's the only type. That's the only kind of persecution that Jesus blesses in our text tonight. It's only when we're persecuted for standing up for what's right, for what God says is right, that our persecution is blessed. You see, it's wrong. Like we said, it's wrong to say that if people don't like us, we must be like Jesus. But if we take that, if if we flip it around, it's always true. If we are like Jesus, if we're living the life that Jesus calls us to live, then there are going to be people in the world that don't like us. It's a reality. Paul makes this perfectly clear to us in 2 Timothy 3.12. He says this. He says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It doesn't get any clearer than that. If you desire to live a godly life, you'll be persecuted. But you see, this is why I pointed out earlier. This is why I made it an emphasis to say that sometimes persecution is just verbal. You see, because I've heard people. I've heard people take this verse. They throw out some of the the harshest experiences of persecution and then they take this verse and then they just beat people over the head with it. And they say that if you're not persecuted like that, if you don't experience those things, then you probably don't desire to live a godly life. That's what they'll say. They'll say, if you're not suffering for the gospel, if you're not suffering for Christ, then maybe you don't want to live for Him. They'll say that that if bad things aren't happening to you because you're a Christian, then maybe you're not a Christian. See, but Paul doesn't say that. And Jesus doesn't say that either. Paul doesn't say that, that those who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted all the time. He doesn't say that. Just to be honest with you, if if I had to think about it, I don't know that I was persecuted this week. I don't know that I I faced persecution. Nobody called me names. Nobody hit me or kicked me or or did anything to me this week. Does that mean that I didn't desire to live a godly life this week? No. No. You see, the absence of persecution doesn't mean that I don't love Jesus. It doesn't mean that I don't believe the Gospel. It, it could mean that. But it could also mean that I'm going to face persecution next week, or next month, or, or in the future, or tonight. But on the other hand, the presence of persecution does mean something. If we truly are persecuted for righteousness' sake, then that means something to us. That's what we see in our text tonight. This is what we find in question three. What's the reward? The reward is twofold. We experience some of it now and some of it later. If we experience persecution in this life because we're living the life that he calls us to live, if it's because we're pursuing righteousness, if it's because we're trying to live like Jesus, then we can have confidence that we are members of his kingdom. Christ says, for theirs is, present tense, now, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We're blessed. The people who are persecuted in this text are blessed because they know that they are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. See, out of all the Beatitudes, out of all eight of these statements that we've covered for the past two months, this one, this one tonight, is the most quantifiable. It's the most measurable. It's the most searching. You see, because if if we are persecuted, it tells us that we are, in fact, the type of people that he describes in the first seven. It tells us that we're trying to do those things, and that's why we experience persecution. You see, if... If we go out and we try to be the people that he calls us to be. If I mourn over my sin. If I mourn over sin in the lives of others. If I grieve over sin in the world. If I go out and I show mercy to to those people that, that nobody else wants to show mercy to. If I'm pure in heart so that my only goal in life is to seek the glory of God. If I'm not content with leaving conflict unresolved, and I relentlessly pursue peace in every situation. If, if those are the types of people we are, then people aren't going to like it. People aren't going to like us. And that shows us that we are the type of people that He's calling us to be. But there's also a much greater component of the reward. That we won't experience till later. You see, Jesus tells us in verse 12, He says that our reward will be great in heaven. Now, right now, we live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven on earth. But we know that one day, one day, we will be in heaven, and Revelation tells us that God Himself is going to dwell there with us. That's what our reward is, that's what we get. But, and, and this, is, this is a big but, you see, we shouldn't think, we should never think that this reward is something that we earn, that, that our being persecuted earns us this reward. That's not what's happening. This reward is something that's given to us, something that's been purchased for us. You see, we can only live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven because there is a king of Heaven. And we only face persecution because we know that he faced persecution first. People don't persecute us and hate us because of who we are. We are persecuted and we are hated because of who he is. Scripture tells us that Christ will either be the aroma of life or the aroma of death. That's how the world responds to Christ. And we know. We, we all probably know the story of what the world did, of how they responded to Christ. Christ was betrayed, accused, mocked, tried, beaten, scourged, nailed to a cross, and then hung from it until He died. Pilate, he even tried to release Jesus. Jesus. He tried to set him free, but the crowds demanded that he release a murderer instead. Some guy they knew was guilty. And all of those things, all of those horrible things just describe what was done to him by humans. You see, we also know. We know that Christ paid the penalty that we were due for our sins. We know that His Father poured out on Him the wrath that He had against all of my sins and all of your sins and all the sins of everyone else who's not here. And we know that Christ suffered under that. He he bore that weight and He died under it. We know that. That's the King we follow. That's the person that we say that we want to be like. And so it shouldn't surprise us if they treat us like they treated Him. He said it Himself. He said, If they persecuted Me, surely they will persecute you. But His words tonight, His words in this 8th Beatitude to us should be encouraging. Should be challenging. Because they explain that even though we'll be persecuted, even though we'll face persecution, we are blessed. We may, we may be treated like him now. We probably will be treated like him now. But one day, one day he himself is going to reward us. We'll be given the reward that he purchased for us. This is why he can say, this is why he says to us, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for ours is the kingdom of heaven let's pray Father God we thank you that you sent your son into the world